Last week we talked about our insecurities and how our insecurities get in the way of so many things and how we all have them. We talked about Herschel Walker even had insecurities and we showed a picture of him and many, thank you for all the emails. Many of you wanted that picture, but I'm not sending it out to any of you. But, uh, and so we have these things and they get into our relationships, these insecurities. And so this is why a lot of times you're talking to somebody and they ask, you know, you ask them one question and they go, well, what's that all about? And you're like, whoa. What had probably happened is you, you touched on one of their insecurities, and so they're very defensive about that. So we talked about that, and we talked about how in Philippians it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and all those other things that I'd normally um, view as insecurities or the things that would make me secure I count as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and may be found in him. That's what we talked about last week, and I, I really want to encourage you, if you didn't hear that sermon, it does help um, to get an idea of where we're going, that was a pivotal one and a big one because we'll, I'll be riffing off of that idea of insecurities throughout the whole series. This morning, we're going to be talking about something else. And if you were here for the first song, then you know uh, that already gave away what we're talking about. And we're talking about uh, forgiveness or really specifically what happens when we don't forgive, what, what happens to us. Um, in two weeks, we'll be ditching church. We'll come here at uh, in the morning, and then we'll head out to go fix up some homes. And what we found when we do a lot of the Be the Church things, about half of them, maybe not that many, I don't know, uh, have a problem with hoarding. And uh, this is somebody's garage, and we don't show this to, to, to point out the fact that there are hoarders or whatever. Uh, we point this out because a lot of us will look at something like this, and maybe you're like, how did he get a picture of my garage? Um, <laughs> Well, that, I mean, yes, your garage, mine doesn't look that great either right now, but if this was your living room, uh, then there'd be a problem. And so, and maybe it is your living room. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but, but what happens is usually there's some type of tragedy that happens when you find a home like this and the inside of their home is just stacked with things or there's been a tragedy, something that happened that was overwhelming and, and people just get stuck, Okay. And so at this particular house, this person was just stuck. And for those of you last year who worked on that house, this is what the, what the backyard looked like from the street before we got there. This is what the backyard looked like before we were able to do anything. Now again, this person is created in the image of God. They're not uh, weird. They're not diseased. There's just something happened that made them get stuck. And, and here's the thing, God doesn't want you stuck. All through the Bible, God wants you free. And so when you come upon a house like this or whatever, th this person, th they know, right? They don't, they're not like, they don't have an open house of come look in my backyard. That's why it gets overgrown. Here's a picture of after we were able to get in there and get it cleaned up. Uh, all that stuff is gone. And this is one of the reasons why we're so proud and the city's so proud of what we do on that Be the Church Sunday. We, you know, we, we feel like we give, as Cece was saying, we give hope. I, I think we do give hope, but I, I see it as redemption. We're redeeming the land, you know. Uh, here's what the front looked like, just to keep on the Be the Church topic uh, well, be, before we did anything, and then that's what it looked like when we were finished. Um, and we did that in one day. And so um, it's pre pretty awesome. But 
With hoarding, there's different stages, okay? There's five different stages of hoarding. The first stage is just clutter. You know, you've got stacks of stuff all through your house, and maybe some of us, we've got that going on, but it, it moves all the way along to level five, and level five hoarding is when you lose the functionality of your home. And you might have seen the show Hoarders. We're going to watch a little minute and a half clip and a little bit of that show. But you lose functionality of the home. So you'll have um, a living room where you'd normally think, okay, we sit down on the couch, we watch TV or whatever. It can no longer be used as a living room. Sometimes in some of these homes, there's an entire room that cannot be used at all. Sometimes you can't cook because there's no place to have the food. Other, other places, food is everywhere. Things are discarded kind of everywhere because they're stuck and they're in this level five um, place of, 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 uh, of hoarding. And so they're just completely stuck in their disease. Now, some of you are going, my house is spotless. There's a place for everything. It's always clean. It's always organized. Okay. That's called OCD. That's next week. (laughs) This week. No, I'm kidding. I'm just making fun of you because I wish my house was like that. And so I just want to get that shot uh, out. But uh, I'm going to show you a little clip real quick about, um, you're going to send me an email. I am clean. I am not OCD. Okay. And the grammar will be all perfect in the email as well. Uh, But uh, so I'm going to show you a clip real quick. And I I want you to watch this woman. And they they get to this conversation about this um, like ab flexor or ab machine. Okay. And I want you to watch as they talk about this ab machine and as they're conversing, watch what happens to her face. And then we're going to take that idea. We're going to talk a little bit about how you get there. And then we're going to talk about how unforgiveness is very much like that. So let's let's take a look at uh, this video here. So, uh, everybody talking to her understood, you're not going to use the ad machine, right? Like, I looked at the ad machine. I don't even know how to start to use that thing. It looked like a torture device, okay? <laughs> but, but everyone around her is making what most of us would think is complete sense. You've never used the ad machine you can't use the ab machine. You got a bad knee. We don't even work out, whatever. The ab machine was not an ab machine to her. It had taken on another identity. It meant something so much more. You might have something like that in your own life, something that's very important to you. Now, I want to give you just three things that happen with hoarders uh, with their stuff. The first thing is that there's an intense emotional attachment. So what we saw with that lady in the ab machine was there was something else going on. And she, she saw it and, 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 and there was just this emotional attachment. And you might have stuff in your own house that just means something to you. Maybe, maybe it's kids, baby clothing that you had and, and now that time is gone, but you want to hold on to it because it has intense emotional value. The second thing is some things have intrinsic value. Like when you go on vacation and you find a piece of driftwood that you put on your desk because it reminds you of vacation, the driftwood, you know, people go by and they're like, what's with the piece of wood? Don't you ever call this just a piece of wood? This is my vacation. You know, you're like totally into it. It has intrinsic value. And we all have those things around our house as well, that some people would call junk, uh, we wouldn't. And then the last thing, and this is what we saw with our ab machine, this might be useful someday. In other words, here, here's, here's what I think was happening to her. I don't know her. I don't, I'm not a counselor. But I would say that 
what, what they were saying to you is give up that dream that you're ever going to be in shape or give up that dream that you, you know, and we have different things in our, in our some of us have books on our bookshelves. Like, I'm going to read that someday. And every time we see it, we're like feel kind of this little sense of like, oh, like I haven't read it yet. You know, we have all these things. You might have a car you're trying to restore in your driveway. I'm not coming down on you or whatever, but every time you see that car, it, it means that something like I, I'm, I'm going to someday, that car is not going to look like that. And maybe your spouse or someone you love is like, will you get rid of the car? It's been 15 years. And you're like, I don't, I don't even, I don't even want to talk to you. Of course, dudes don't usually go like that, but okay, I gotcha. I, but the whole point is I don't want to talk about it because it means something to me. It means something. Some of our things that we have out there are, are a, are, are a failure to us because we haven't done it in time, the time we thought we were going to do. Here, here's my point. All of us, to some extent, hoard, to some extent, have these characteristics where we assign too much value to things. We keep things around too long. And here's the thing. They become something else. My own garage. So I, I, I decided to put, throw myself under the bus um, because I, I've always been into technology, and I love technology, and, and so I save every bit of technology that I ever buy, I, I, I save it. And so this is just one of the boxes, but um, if you need a CD burner from 1998, I got one. Um, but I save it, and here's, and here's what's going on in my own mind. Um, you never know what kind of technology is going like, you know, to be, ex- like if I had an Atari, like that first Atari in mint condition, Oh, yeah, I could sell that thing on eBay. I wouldn't, but I could, right? All these things represent, I might need that external housing someday. Now, listen, listen, you'll all sit there and go ahead and mock me. I, I, I love it. I, I welcome it. But, but here's the thing. I know in my heart that the three boxes of old electronics I have, I'll probably never sell on eBay and probably will never use. But the thought of getting rid of it is just, I can't, I don't think I can do that. I've got this one video camera, this digital video camera that broke. Um, why did it break? Oh yeah, I dropped it. Um, and, and so, but there's still pieces on it that work, like the screen works. Everything. So I took it apart and I was going to piece it out on eBay because um, I was looking for the piece that I needed to fix it. And then when I tried to fix it, I broke it worse. And so I, 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 I put these things on eBay. No one even looked. It's like watchers, zero. People who viewed this, zero. There's like billions of people on eBay. No one's looking at my stuff. Guess where it is? It's still in my garage because one of these days, it's going to be a hot tip- ticket item. Now look again, you look at me and go, man, just throw it out. Because here's what happens with us. I value stuff you don't value and you value stuff I don't value. Now when it comes to a piece of driftwood or a little casing or whatever, that's one thing. When it comes to what someone has done to me, that's something completely different. See, a lot of us have had wounds have had things happen to us, have had periods of time in our lives, and we're holding on to those things because we want payment for them. They are very, very valuable to us. The way someone's hurt us. Now listen, I'm going to say this once just so we are clear. I realize, and I know a lot of your stories, you know my story, and I know that there are, for a lot of us, what happened to us was a really, 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 really big deal. It was. For some of us, our entire childhood was stolen from us because of what was going on. For some of us, our respect has been taken from us. Our dignity has been taken from us. So I'm not trying to minimize it. And this is what I'm saying, is that 
oftentimes we just take these things and we hold on to them and we begin to hoard them. And what that person did, we hold on to and we start amassing story after story after story in order to get paid back what was taken from us. And so what, be, what starts off like this becomes this. <laughs> yeah, now, for those of you who haven't seen Lord of the Rings, that's Gollum. It's not a demon, okay? It's, a, it's just an artist thing. That ring is the ring, it, 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 and it's, it's his precious, right? And so if you've seen the movies, there's 24 of them, and they're 17 hours long each. But um, <laughs> if you've seen them, you know that he didn't look like that before. There was a time when he looked really healthy and, and everything. But once he got this ring, once he grabbed onto this thing, he began to obsess about it, he actually began to change. And here's what I'm going to propose to us. Even though they're serious things, even though they're things that might have completely drained our bank accounts, messed up our entire teens, maybe it was a a first marriage that just that person just hurt you, wounded you, even though it's that stuff, here's what God, your heavenly father wants from you, freedom. He wants freedom. He doesn't want you just making little paths in your house so you can just make it through life. I can, I can make it to the kitchen. He wants it cleaned out. Like I, like I said before, level five hoarders, they lose functionality. And a lot of people who hold on to pain lose functionality of their lives. And where God wants freedom and creativity and joy, there's this, there's this cloud That's hard to get out from underneath. And here's the thing that I've noticed too. And you might have had this happen in your own life. When you're holding on to stuff, there's no possible way, no matter how bad your situation is, and you might have found this, nobody really understands how bad, do they? Like like you try to describe your ex-husband, and and people are like, oh, yeah, yeah. And you're like, they don't, you're not getting it. The reason you're not getting it is because you're not planning to kill him right now. (laughs) Like, if you got it, you'd be like, let's go. You'd have a pitchfork and a torch, and you're like ready to go. That's where I want you, okay? You don't understand. Or if you talk about your childhood, and the person isn't just like weeping and rendering their clothes. It's like they just, they don't understand because here's the thing. They can't understand. What you went through is what you went through. It's intensely personal based on your insecurities and your past and how God's created you. But here's the thing. In our attempts to try to talk about how terrible it was to explain the pain, we drive people away. And so now that person who did that thing has control not only just of your childhood, but of your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s. Now now that thing that happened in that first marriage is starting to wiggle its way into your second marriage. Maybe it becomes a third marriage. Here's the thing. God wants you free from that. God wants you being able to not forget it. It happened. It's it's part of who you are. You're you're not going to just forget some of those things. They were very damaging. They're very hurtful. But God, what God wants to do is begin to gain functionality in different areas of the house that has been cluttered up with pain and unforgiveness. I watched this one woman, because in getting that video, I watched a whole bunch of other videos uh, to just get my sense around it. Because as I, as, you know, let's get him off of there, because he's kind of freaking me out. Okay, sorry about that. 
as, as I began go, going through that, I, because I, I, when I was first going over this scripture, I thought, man, that's just like hoarding. And then I just started researching hoarding. And I'm like, man, it really is like hoarding. And so I was watching this one video of this poor woman who, who would, she, she literally crawled over the trash into her house. Like, like that's how she got around. She had to crawl over the trash. And, and when you tried to talk to her and you'd say, why, why do you have this old McDonald's like, McRib box? She could tell you a story about that. She could tell you why it's valuable. She could say what she, what she was going to use that for. Oh, she, I'm, I'm going to take all the paper stuff to the dump. I'm gonna, I need to organize all that stuff. Intrinsic value. What's going to happen later? And here's what I would propose to us. Some of us have people that have wounded us and it's just getting us stuck. Now, fortunately, the Bible has something to say about that. And uh, the, the main point, if you don't get anything uh, out of it, if, if the two main points, if you don't listen to anything, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get wounded. There's no, people are going to let you down, okay? They might do it on purpose. Sometimes there's just evil people in the world, and they're, they're just evil, and they might do it on purpose. Other times, it might be, they might be doing it by accident. But we, we are going to get hurt. And that, that's the first thing. The second thing is, Jesus wants you free. J- Jesus doesn't want you getting hurt in such a way that you can't get over it. And so he's given us some tools and some things that I hope by the end of this morning we'll be able to begin to think about and bring to the, bring to the Lord. But what happened was Jesus was... Uh, had this big, in Matthew 18 and just before Matthew 17, it's just like Jesus is on a roll. He's just like, he's just like talking, um, going over all these different things and really important things. One of the things he said was, uh, well, well, first it kind of starts out with a funny story where Peter comes up to Jesus and says, hey, the temple tax is due. Now that was that wasn't even the Roman tax. That was just the temple tax. And and it would have been a perfect time for Jesus to be like, oh, taxes, you know, you know, next year I'm voting for the Sadducees instead of the Pharisees. I'm changing my party affiliation. Or he could talk about oppressive stuff and, you know, all these types of things and how the world's changing. And now we can't, you know, we have to pay this tax and they're only going to go up or whatever. He doesn't do that. He just says, hey, do me a favor, go fishing. And when you pull up the fish, there'll be, um, the taxes will be in the mouth of the fish, these two coins, right? And the cool thing about that story is it just ends there. Like, I'm like, did he do, like, what? It was so matter of fact for Jesus. Yeah, oh, you need to pay your taxes? Just go fishing and open up the fish's mouth and there'll be some coins in there. Dummy. <laughs> like, you know, and I, you don't get to hear, did he do it or whatever? And that, that's just Matthew's version. And so uh, he talks about that. He talks about how um, the kingdom's so important. Like this idea that, there's, that you could actually live life on earth with the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Like you can actually live your life. You can actually go to work tomorrow and be patient. You you can actually have joy in your marriage. This idea, Jesus says, is so important that if anything gets in the way, like something your hand gets in the way, just cut your hand off. It's way better to have the kingdom of God flourishing in your life than to be caught up with hands and stuff like that, right? He says, oh, if your eye is getting you out of the way, it's like it's getting in your way of the kingdom stuff, oh, just gouge that out. 
I mean, it's much better to just have the fullness of the kingdom of your life than to, than to be walking around with eyes, okay? So obviously, he's taking it to an extreme. The other thing he says is, um, uh, you come to God like a child. The other thing he says is, the kingdom of God is so important that if, if God sees anyone strain from it, he's going after them to go get them back. Even if he leaves a whole bunch of people behind, he's going to go after that one thing. So he's on this role of, he's just on fire talking about the kingdom. So then Peter comes to him and he says this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive uh, my brother or sister who sins against me? Now, the rabbis at that time, the, the normal answer was three times. The, you know, it's kind of our three strikes rule. You get three times, three strikes, you're out. They, that's, the rabbis had three times, okay? That would be a good, and that, made, that was holy. I mean, because human nature doesn't want to forgive any time, okay? So the rabbi said three times. So Peter, um, and, and again, people, people try to assign Peter too much stuff. Like, oh, he's just trying to be really holy. Maybe he's like, with all this kingdom stuff you're talking about, like, I've heard three times. Are you, are you like saying like seven times? And as you can see, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. If you, uh, if you have another version of the Bible then that's up on the screen there, uh, uh, yours might say um, uh, se- uh, like 70 times 7, it might say. And, or, you know, it might uh, say, this says 77. Some versions say 77 times. So again, 70 times 7. Here's a, it doesn't matter what number Peter picked, a pecker, pickled pepper. It doesn't matter which number Peter picked, Okay. Jesus was going to pick one that was way more. So if, if Peter came and said 490 or 500, Jesus would have said, no, 1,000. Okay, 1,000. Are you writing it down? Okay, 10,000. Whoa, ten, you're still, you don't get it? A billion. How, how about that? This is where Jesus is coming from. 77 times. Now what Jesus is trying to say is this. Peter, you just picked a topic that we're not, I'm not just going to give you a number and we're going to move on. I'm not just going to say 77 times so that you can have the number. There is no number. I want to give you the kingdom concept of what you're talking about. We're, we're going we're to sit here for a while because you just touched on something really huge. Here's what he says. Therefore, actually in some of your versions, I like it better. It says, for this reason, okay, therefore, you know, because you brought this up, and I said 77, I, for this reason, I, I really want you to understand what it is. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like, because you touched on unforgiveness, because you touched on forgiveness, because you touched on being wrong, I'm going to show you a whole new, I want to open your eyes to a whole new way of living that's probably going to blow your mind. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Okay, so what's happened is this king, if anyone's in business or has an accountant or whatever, sometimes you want to clear your books. You've got a, a clients that owe you money or whatever, and maybe they've owed you money for a long time, and you're just, you're just clearing the books, and sometimes you, you, you settle for those pennies on a dollar or whatever. But this is what the king's trying to do. He's just trying to get all, that, all, that old, all those old accounts off his books. And so he, he brings them in to settle accounts with his servants. 
As he began the settlement, <laughs> a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. Now, again, you and I are kind of like, we don't really talk in terms of bags of gold, but since gold is so high right now, really think of 10,000 bags of gold. Remember, we talked a few weeks about that family that found the gold on their property. I know you guys all remember that sermon. It was fantastic. Um, but he's saying 10,000 bags of gold or 10,000 talents, which is just a weight of gold. It's a, a, that talent is about uh, 20 years wages. One bag is 20 years wages. So if we say 20 years, let's say you make $20,000 a year. You're like super well paid. Uh, $20,000 a year, uh, you got, you got um, it, it ends up being a couple billion dollars, right? So here's a servant and he comes in owing a billion dollars, right? He's got, he, owes, he owes a billion dollars. Jesus is trying to say this. The servant owes more than ever. You can never, ever repay. And that's what he says. He says, a man owed him uh, 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, well, no, duh. I don't even know how you get into that kind of trouble. The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. They're sold into slavery. Now, just, just to get in the... Now, again, this is a parable. This didn't really happen, but I think Jesus is trying to get us into the feeling of what this guy would feel like. like let's say you amassed a whole bunch of debt. You got a jet ski. Uh, you got, you know, uh, your timeshare, whatever. You got all this stuff. You amassed all this debt, and finally they, they come to you and say, look, man, this is... You got to either declare bankruptcy or whatever, and we're taking all your stuff away, and you're like, well, yeah, I guess I got myself into trouble. Now, imagine they say this. Uh, okay, um, you... you you, you, you got your jet ski. Uh, because of your jet ski, we're taking your daughter and we're going to sell her into slavery. All of a sudden you're like, oh, this, this, the idea that he had to pay this back and it cost him his family, everything. That's where Jesus wants us to be in the story. This guy was in it and in it bad. So, he sold, uh, he, it had been sold to repay the debt. Uh, this, his servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. <laughs> no, you won't pay back everything. You, you can't pay back everything. It's impossible to pay back everything. I know you're begging and that's fantastic and good job. The begging's awesome. But that whole idea that you're going to pay it back is impossible. Now, as we just sit here for a second uh, on this verse, I want us to think back to the person that wronged us. And, and we think in terms of, okay, you know, they, they did this. And, 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 and let's say, let's take a bad one and say that, um, you know, your dad left when he was, when you were, old enough to really feel it, you know, you know, not as a baby, let's say nine. He just, one day he's gone. And, and, and through nine, through junior high, there's no dad. That, that hurts. That, that's, that's big. And so as you go through life and you think about that time without a dad, you're starting to look at all your current circumstances thinking, if I had a dad, I, and, and so, so let's say you say, well, you know what? 
He owes me my childhood back. How is he going to give you your childhood back? Even if he came to you and said, I'm so sorry, I'd like to, you know, let's go to Knott's Berry Farm. Like, how is he going to give you your childhood back? He can't. He can't pay you back. Or maybe it's a boss or maybe it's, it's a spouse and there's been infidelity and, and, and you're sitting there and you're like, you're like, ugh, and it's so painful. They can't pay you back. They can't go back. You can't go back to a time that didn't happen. It's impossible. This is where this guy is. The servant fell on his knees. Be patient with me. I'll pay everything back. And the servant's master took pity on him. Realize this guy's not going to pay back. There's no way he can pay back. Now watch what he does. He does three things. He took pity on him. He canceled the debt. And he let him go. Like he didn't cancel the debt and go, okay, here's the deal. The debt's gone, but you're, you're giving me a massage for every morning when I wake up or whatever. Or you have to stay in the palace. Or I want to know where you are. Or you write me a letter and tell me how you paid it forward. But he lets him go. Took pity on him canceled the debt, and let him go. Now think about how you'd feel with that. You owe all this money. Somebody says to you, no, nah, nah, we took care of that. Oh, and by the way, your kids don't have to be sold into slavery. You know, you just, wow. You'd go forward with that kind of joy. Well, for anyone who knows the story, that's not what happened. When he found, uh, but when that servant went out, he found his fellow servant, uh, uh, yeah, um, when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins, which actually is a, quite a bit of money. It's about 10 grand. So it's not just chump change. It's not just like he paid for lunch. And man, you remember you said you were going to pay me back for lunch. This is $10,000. And so for us, it's like, it's like we get forgiven and then we find someone who kind of, we could do a lot with $10,000. He grabbed him and began to choke him Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. The servant fell on his knees and almost says exactly what he said to his master. Begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. Now he might have been able to pay it back. Okay, I owe you 10 grand. Maybe I don't have it in the bank now, but we could come up with something. I mean, in other words, his debt was not insurmountable. He, he probably could have made it right. And, and like the worst words you could see, he refused instead. So you look at the one king who says, I took pity, I can't, they canceled the debt and let him go. He says no, but instead makes it worse. He went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Now a couple things real quick. How do you pay the debt in prison? I don't know. He just made it so he couldn't pay. He just, he did. And here's the other thing. This took a while. This isn't, you know, if one of you guys owes me money, first of all, pay it back. No, choking. If one of you guys owes me money, um, I, I can't just have you arrested and then just put in prison. It takes a while. It was the same back then. You would have gone through a court process. You would have shown, well, how do you know they really borrowed the money? What, what took place? This would have been a long time. In other words, there were many, 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 many times for this guy to go, what am I doing? What am I doing? 
I was just forgiven all this. And I'm putting the guy in prison. Okay. Erase, erase. Sorry. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. But he doesn't do that. And so the guy goes and he pays it. And he says, when the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged. Okay. Um, this word outraged means excessively grieved. Okay. Like you, like you and I would be. All right, when the servants saw this, what happened? They were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. And the master does exactly what you or I would do. When the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. We would say it this way. Are you kidding me? Are you out of your mind? Are you insane? Are you crazy? I mean, we, we would come up with so many different, like, what are you doing? The master says, you wicked slave. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? This is the pivotal crux of what Jesus is trying to say. In the kingdom scheme of things, there is no room for unforgiveness. Yeah, but it ain't a billion dollars. Yeah, but if you only knew, it's, it, you can't. It ain't a trillion dollars. Yeah, it, but it's not. There's no room. Even with the saddest stories that you guys can come up with, and there's lots of them. There are horrible stories. Even in the midst of all that, in the kingdom of God, what Jesus is trying to explain is there's no room. You know why? He wants you free. Because they can't pay it back. And if that's what we're waiting for, for repayment, we're going to be in bondage for the rest of our lives because they can't pay. And then we get stuck. So here's what he says. He says, shouldn't you have had that same mercy on your servant? So here's what he does. In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now here, here's the question I have. How, if you're being tortured, how are you going to pay anything back? Right? I mean, if, if, if I owed you 10 grand and you said, well, we're going to whip you up on this stage until you pay back the 10 grand. Well, if you could, I could, you know, if I could get to the bank, that'd be helpful. No, nope, we're going to torture you. This, this whole thing, the whole point of the parable is nobody can pay anybody back. That's the whole point of the kingdom of God. Because what Jesus did on the cross released us from our debt, a debt we could never, ever, ever pay. It is a model and a, a fuel and a um, conduit for us to return that favor every place we go. Not diminishing what happened. What happened was wrong. But why should you continue to have that rob you of your 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and and relationships all around? Why not be free? And so this idea of the torturers is not that if you don't forgive someone, you're going to hell and you're just going to be tortured forever, which I think scholars get wrong on this. They they talk about this, that, you know, going giving to the torturers, um, it's that you'll be tortured if you don't forgive. And, and some of you, and myself included, I can think to a time where I wasn't forgiving and it was just driving, it was eating me alive. And here's what people would say. Just get over it. Just, it's not that big of a deal. And I'll go, you don't have any idea how big of a deal it is. But it doesn't matter. 
I cannot convince them. I can't convince you of my pain. You can't convince me of mine, of yours. And Jesus says, be free from it. And he goes on. He says something very, very harsh. He says, this is my, how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. And so you go, wow, if I don't forgive somebody, he won't forgive me even if I ask for forgiveness? No, what he's saying is, God's not going to rescue you from a mire you're putting yourself in. God's not going to come and say, okay, I've got to do it. I've got to forgive. Now, let me just give you real quick as Audra comes up. Just four things. I didn't put them in the thing above me. And so you can write this on your notes if you want. Um, I'll just give you four things that have to take place very quickly. And then I'll give you a prayer that I pray uh, anytime these things come up. One, identify who you're angry with. You're like, well, that that took two seconds. I told you they were going to go fast. Um, The reason I brought this up is because sometimes you're angry with you. Something happened in your life. Somebody stole some money from you. Got, you got into a business. You took a job that you shouldn't have taken. And what, even though they treated you poorly, what you're really angry about is why didn't I leave sooner? Why didn't I, why didn't I realize this sooner? How could I be so stupid? And so you're transferring that anger for yourself onto that person where you could have left at any time. Understand where that anger is coming from. Second thing is this. Determine what they owe you. Figure it out. They owe me my childhood from when I'm 2 to 11. Okay, that's what they owe you. Figure that out. Number three, cancel the debt. It's canceled. There's no, there's no more debt. And then the fourth thing is dismiss the case. This can never be tried again. Now, I just gave you four easy things. Took me uh, 45 seconds, but they're incredibly difficult to do, right? And so here's the prayer I pray all the time. And we did it as one of our exercises. This is what I pray. Whenever someone who's wounded me comes to my mind, I pray this. Heavenly Father, help me love them like you love them. Because the reality and the weird part about all this, while they were wounding you, God was loving them. Wow. Really? Yeah. He wasn't encouraging them. He wasn't empowering them. But he was loving them. Help me love you. Love them like you love them that help me to see them like you see them. Because as they were wounding you, God didn't see them as your boss. God saw them in all their brokenness, all their uh, filth and mess. And then the final um, thing I pray is, Lord, bless them. Now, it's not a magic pill. It doesn't work every time. But over time, I've found that that helps me to assign value to it, to cancel the debt and dismiss the case. Thank you.